0: Welcome to Unpacked Shorts. I'm Katie Harrison here at Unheard, and with me is Peter Franklin, who writes our Unpacked column, looking at writing around the internet from elsewhere and unpacking it for us to bring some analysis from here. Also joining us today is Charlie Pickles, our capitalism editor. Hi Charlie and Peter. Hello. Hello. You're all here. Brilliant. So Peter's been writing about Doctor Internet. Is this the sort of thing that we all try not to do but they'll have a quick look at our laptops just before we go to the doctor and then have to spend the the first eight minutes of our 10-minute appointment being talked down from the terrifying fear that we've got some life-threatening disease? Peter? Um,
1: no, it's not. It's about using artificially intelligent computer systems to do the diagnosis for us, not just providing um, us with the information for us to come to our <laughs> own conclusions. This is about systems that that, that come to their own conclusions.
0: So, talk, talk us through the mechanics of that. What are we? Okay. Again?
1: Well, um, this particular article, which is by Jeremy Su for um, IEEE Spectrum, um, uh, it's about a, a South Korean project, um, which is about diagnosing. <laughs> uh, this is apologies for this, but a toenail fungus infection. Right. So nice topic hope you're not having your tea um and if you're not
0: marginalizing people <laughs> with toenail fungus I, I, in some way, Peter, that no would be not at all unfair. and
1: i i want them to get all the medical help they need <laughs> and this system will apparently help okay. and it you know it, it, it analyzes photographs it diagnoses whether or not the infection is there and apparently it does it more accurately than even the most expert human doctors.
0: So this is a diagnosis in the absence of human beings, so without a patient seeing a doctor, a machine can scrutinise a photograph and come to a conclusion, is that what we're talking about? That's right,
1: yes. And this system, um, they get, they learn to do this by, they get fed lots of labelled data and they recognize the patterns that correspond to positive and negative diagnoses. Um, and apparently they can now do it not just as well as human doctors, but a lot better. And this is kind of we're now getting to the stage in which you know they, they, they are exceeding human capabilities. It's
0: part of the new industrial revolution, Charlie.
2: Yeah, I mean I mean it really is. And and it's probably one of the most exciting uses of AI and machine learning um, that Peter was describing. And and you know, it's not just uh toe fungus. I promise myself I was not gonna say those <laughs> words. Um, it's <laughs> not just that that yeah, exactly. Um, I should have one of those buzzers, you yeah. know. Like <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but it's not just that, you know, there is reams of evidence of of where AI is, again, as Peter said, not not just able to accurately identify and diagnose so for example lung cancer, bowel cancer, eye disease Um, but actually do it much quicker than uh, a physical human doctor uh, would do it but also much more accurately um, there's an example uh, around mammograms so interpreting mammograms where we know that um, actually uh, sadly there are quite a lot of what we call false positives so doctors look at a mammogram and actually they tell someone that they've got cancer when they actually haven't um, and so AI uh, has been deployed to try and prevent what is obviously a traumatic thing being told that you have cancer oh. and then finding out you don't um, and it can identify the right answer 30 times faster than a doctor can and with greater accuracy so you know the technology is phenomenal and that and that's brilliant and actually in the uk there's a real commitment to investing in it so you mentioned kind of industrial revolution Um, within the UK the government's industrial strategy there's about 93 million that is committed to developing AI and machine learning that's broadly across the public sector and and indeed private sector Um, but even within the NHS which is our health system here um, there's massive commitment from the chief executive of the uh, NHS and in all of the kind of plans and sort of strategy documents AI is really central and not just for diagnoses but also for massive efficiency savings you know kind of across the board it can be applied efficiency
0: savings of course is code for cuts isn't it to a lot of people no, listening not, yes
2: but, but it's not at all so for example ai is being deployed for doing more effective triaging so making sure that actually someone is sent to the right healthcare specialist um, rather than you know we've all had that mm. that experience of going to the gp and then them kind of looking at us and not really knowing what it mm. is and then being sent to someone else the waiting and list then being, for a waiting list exactly yeah, yeah, whereas Whereas with AI, you could be triaged by, you know, having simple questions asked or or images looked at, etc. So AI can do all sorts of things which are not about cars We
0: tend to have a fairly predictable conversation in, in general, not just here at unheard, but in, in life, um, when we talk about AI and its impact on any, any sector, where we look at the opportunity, we look at the initial cost and then the overall saving, we look at the implications on the labour market, and then you know we come round to understanding that, well, we've had industrial revolutions before and we'll manage again. Is there anything different about this one, Peter?
1: Well, I think we're kind of already here. But the key constraint now is not not so much the intelligence of the computer systems but the availability of enough labelled data to teach them. right? And this is why I argue that um, the NHS in this country is in a really good position to gather that data and to form partnerships with the tech companies to supply it.
0: A good position in this country or a good position globally?
1: Well, I think globally, because um, the NHS is a fairly monolithic bureaucratic system. And very centralised. And very centralised. Therefore, you could roll out um, sort of very standardised data gathering procedures, which is exactly what you need to provide the right information to feed into these systems, right? And it's, you know, it's one of the biggest organisations. Of any kind in the world I think it's in the top five employers so you know it's data gathering um, potential is enormous on in a really important area like medicine.
0: And just to conclude then, Peter, you mentioned um, something in your analysis of this about the humanitarian opportunities. So, of course, we would have to reconfigure in the West where we have a lot of highly trained medical personnel. We'd have to understand what um, AI in the health sector means for employment. But many parts of the world have access to almost no qualified medic at yes. all, don't they? So yes. what what are the opportunities here for people who at the moment can't see a doctor?
1: Well, to get um, conditions, potentially life-threatening conditions, diagnosed remotely and automatically by these systems without the need for um, um, a, a, a human medical expertise.
0: So somewhere in sub-Saharan Africa, yes. or you know, are you saying that people with, with far lower qualifications than somebody who's got, who's sort of a, a qualified doctor or surgeon could? Be issued with online resources that will help them to diagnose and treat well, the, their treatment, the treatment. The
1: treatment doesn't doesn't always require um, a a fully qualified doctor. Right. If it's say just a medicine that's required, you might might need a, a, a nurse to make sure that it's administered properly maybe not even that but you've got to get the condition diagnosed accurately in the first place for the appropriate treatment to be made available
2: but but actually i mean it's not it's not just ai and the diagnoses and the triaging because actually you know right from the seeing a virtual doctor through to diagnoses being done via ai through to robotic surgeons so actually i mean you know we're nowhere near having a situation where the whole of our kind of end-to-end healthcare system is done via a mixture of of kind of technology ai and and robotics but actually there are examples of robotic surgery being again much more accurate than human surgery yes So the future could look very different in so
0: many ways. Peter, thank you for bringing that to us. That was by, let me just find it again. Oh, yes, Jeremy Sue for IEEE Spectrum. Do we know what that stands for? Is it a thing? I'm not quite sure. Interesting, there's a challenge. Maybe we can have a new Unheard Unpacked Shorts quiz. Anyone want to tell us? Um, Thank you for bringing that to us. Charlie, thank you for joining us today. Um, From me, Katie Harrison, and James Coney, our producer, thank you for listening. Please rate this podcast on your usual provider so that other people can find us too. For now, goodbye.